Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch. My name is Susan Rocco, and each week I have the privilege of sitting down with some amazing ladies in the Philadelphia area, and this week is no different. Um, before I get started with my guests today, I'd like to give out my contact information. Should you be listening and you are uh, an entrepreneur or someone starting out with a new business and you'd like to come in and share with us what your business is all about, you can reach me at my email address, which is srocco233 at gmail, or feel free to give me a call at 215-313-5561. Today, I am uh, thrilled to introduce someone who is actually juggling a couple of different things right now, and um, one of them, uh, which is a book uh, that she has in the works that is going to be uh, released fairly soon. Uh, her name is Randy Rents, and Randy is also the president of Rents Consulting. Thank you for stopping in today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored. Uh, before we get started um, talking about your book and uh, the consulting business that you do, Randy, I'd love to talk a little bit about your background and share with the listeners um, where you grew up and where you went to school. Okay. I grew up outside uh, Philadelphia in Wallingford, Pennsylvania, and I went to University of Maryland undergrad and Johns Hopkins for graduate school. So I lived in D.C. for quite some time and decided to move back here in my adult years. <laughs> okay, okay. And tell me, uh, your family, do you have siblings? You uh, I, I have one sister, and um, I have a very small family. I have a couple cousins in the area. Okay. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about your, your years at Maryland? My son is looking at colleges right now, and that's on his list. Oh, my gosh. What can you tell me? Fantastic. Yeah. It's so much fun. <laughs> it is so much fun. I was in the Greek system, and um, it, it's an amazing school, and it was a great education. And the football games are fun, the basketball games. I mean, I was there, you know, back in the day. But it, it, it's a great experience. It's a wonderful experience. It's a big school. It's a big school. It's close to uh, major cities. You know, we would go into Georgetown. We would go to Annapolis, Baltimore. So we, we had access to, to a, a lot of different things. And it was, it was a fun, fun time. And Loved it. What, what did you major in there? I was, I was a double major, psych and art. And I minored in business to make my father happy. Okay. And he kept saying, what's with this art stuff? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And he said, be a lawyer, be a lawyer. And um, I actually started out as a graphic designer. And my father said, you're, you're not going to, I don't like this. I don't like what this dads at are all. always <laughs> worrying about art majors. What's the deal? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, um, and then eventually in my uh, the end of my sophomore year I said you know I, I really want to be an art therapist and he just looked at me and he said what's that what is that and he said be a lawyer be a lawyer you know you'll right. you'll support yourself you'll have a nice income what's what's with this art stuff? was your dad a lawyer no okay. he was not he was not he owned his own business and um, I graduated and looked into graduate school programs for art therapy, and people actually in the field talked me out of it. Although I think it's a wonderful profession. One of my best friends is an art therapist. They said, if you want to do something with art and with kids, either go into special ed or counseling. And okay. that's, that's what I did. So I got my master's in special ed okay. while I was studying for LSATs just to see if, that's, you know, if that was a good road for me. And, right. and I obviously did not you know choose that path where do you think that um that artistic interest came from I, my entire life i've always loved art i've always been passionate about drawing and painting and and i still do some stuff at home so it's fun it's very relaxing and very therapeutic and something you can do your entire life yes i think it's a yes. great yeah it's a it's a great gift to yeah. have that mm -hmm. and and i think it carries over into all types of businesses if you're creative i agree it would be helpful for a lawyer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Even so. Yes. So, okay, so you graduated. And tell me, what was your very first job at a school? My first job was um, I was an editorial assistant at uh, the Kiplinger Report. Yes. Are you familiar yes. with Yes. 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 Um, and um, I also worked on something called Cardiac Alert. 
Um, so I, I found that finance was really not for me. I, um, you know, I would dot the I's and cross the T's as I was editing, but I thought, mm, I'm, I'm not crazy about this content. And, um, and they also, it was with a publishing company, and they also gave me, um, you know, other things to, to edit as well. And I just thought, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not really rocking this. This isn't, you know, so much fun. So, right. And then um, that was outside Maryland. And then I got a job in D.C. at a trade association for the National Newspaper Association. Uh, but I knew that I always wanted to go back to school. I didn't know if I wanted to, you know, pursue law school, graduate school, and that's when I was sort of uh, researching, and um, I decided that I wanted to go back and get my master's in special ed. Yeah, you know, you're a great example of someone who who starts out in one field mm -hmm. and ends up doing something completely different. Yes, which is something I I love about this show. When I bring women in, very often. They start out doing one thing, and now later in life, uh, you know, they're successful in a completely different field. But how ironic it is that I started as an editorial assistant, and I wrote a book. Yes. So it's coming full circle. It is coming full <laughs> circle. Tell me who, I always like to know who in your life um, kind of inspired you, mm -hmm. gave you that, helped you with the confidence to go after something. Um, the two things that you've done are, you know, quite amazing to oh, to to be an author and write a book as well as start your own consulting business and and we should talk about that a little bit as mm -hmm. well the mm -hmm. the consulting that you do with um, children with Asperger's and autism yes tell me how tell me how that came about and and who inspired you to to follow that interest that you had it's interesting when I um, was going through my master's at Hopkins Johns Hopkins I had a uh, an advisor who said, you know, I would like you to do another internship with kids with autism. <laughs> and I said, please don't put me with kids with autism. Please, please. I, I just don't want to do that. I just want to deal strictly with um, LS, with learning support kids, you oh, know, reading, okay. math. And she said, I, I really think that you would be good at this. And I thought, oh, gosh, yeah, okay. You know, I can't say no to her. Right. So. I was uh, placed at a school outside, um, actually at a Maryland suburb, and I loved it. Loved it. It was so much fun, and I never thought that I would be laughing. And she knew, and she you knew. Didn't. Yes, that's, that's she so knew, great. And, and I didn't. Right. And a lot of it was trial and error, but it was just, it was so much fun. So much fun. Um, and when I moved back to Pennsylvania, I actually got a job with. LS with learning support kids for a while but you know every decade there appears to be a a new it diagnosis Absolutely. whether it's ADD and then ADHD and right falling and somewhere on yes, that spectrum yes. yeah talk about that a little bit i think people um you know because it's so much in the news mm -hmm. actually right mm -hmm. now yes people don't know that much about it yes it's um it, it, it's everywhere it really is um and I am currently in a public school, but I also consult on, on my own after, okay. after hours. And I, I just feel as if there's such a need to help people who are on the spectrum. Um, there's so many people who are diagnosed, and there's so many people who, are, who go through life who aren't diagnosed. Right. And, um, you know, in, in the 90s, it sort of came to fruition. And then, you know, when you hit 2000, it's like almost every kid got slapped with a label. Right, which, right, that's the, the flip side yeah, of it. I yeah. mean, certainly being diagnosed mm -hmm. properly is mm -hmm. critical. Yes, but, absolutely. But, um, you know, sometimes I think you're right. There's children out there that maybe have issues that have nothing to do with the autism or the Asperger's, right. but they're, they're getting that label. Yes, yes. Um, I personally don't do the um, diagnostic component. Um, I recommend that parents take their children to a developmental pediatrician or a neurologist, psychologist, psychiatrist. Um, and I think it's very important for parents to know that there is a difference between a school-based identification when a school, when a child is diagnosed in a school versus an outside 
diagnosis from a medical doctor. That's right. the medical diagnosis. And right. within the school, that's a school-based identification. So so talk about what you do as a consultant. I, I'm assuming that you're working with, with the children and their families, teaching them tools, coping tools. Yes, yes. Um, I have built up my own clientele, which is wonderful um, in many counties. I'm in Montgomery, Chester County, Philadelphia. And there are three areas that I like to work on. Um, that is the hidden curriculum, which is unstated social rules. Many um, people just throughout life pick up rules that um, they are through observation. And for example, elevator etiquette. You know, when you walk into an elevator, you turn around. You don't want to have your back facing the elevator door. Now, if you're the person who's waiting for the elevator and the door opens and someone is standing there with their back towards you, you're going to think, oh, uh, something's wrong with that person. Right, I don't, I don't want to get on that scary, elevator. Actually. Right. I don't want to get on that elevator. So it's, you know, the, the social nuances, just the observation in daily life that a lot of these kids cannot master without help. Right. So I work on the hidden curriculum in three specific areas within the home setting, the school setting, and um, the community setting. Um, I also work on nonverbal body language. It's very hard for them to understand nonverbal body language. Right. And I also work on feelings and emotions. And what, what are some mm -hmm. of the, the tools that you teach? Um, well, Tools that I provide are visuals for, for the families. Um, a lot of these kids are very rigid in their thinking, and they think in pictures. And um, what's interesting is, is that they have a lot of deficits in, in their organizational skills, even just knowing how to get dressed in the morning. What goes on first? When do I brush my teeth? When do I wash my face? So different visual schedules are really, really helpful to the parents. Also, with technology booming the way it is, iPads are wonderful. There are many free apps out there for right. social skills, um, expressive language skills, and it's just it's booming. And booming. from what I understand, a lot of these children can qualify um, if they're in a program to get those iPads, um, is that correct? Without having to pay for it if it's part of their therapy? Um, I would say it depends on the, are you talking about in a school district? In or a school district. I think it depends on the school district and the resources actually okay. available. Um, there are many schools who um, do have that kind of technology. Some schools do not have that kind of technology. Right. Um, if you are a parent and you don't have an iPad, there are grants out there okay. that you can research and That's apply for one. That's good to know. Mm -hmm. Now, mm -hmm. do you have a location where people come to you to work with you, or do you go to people's homes? I How go, does that work? I go to people's homes. I go to people's homes, and um, you know, there are times when I'll, I'll survey a room or the area or the, the child's bedroom or bathroom and um, and I really help them with their executive functioning or, or you know, daily organizational skills. Um, so, I, and functioning within the community yes, as well. Yes, right. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it, it is, it's key for not just the child, but the family members, yes. the parents, the siblings. Absolutely, yep. Um, sometimes I think it'd be nice to have friends come for a session, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> classmates. <Yes. laughs> it would be maybe going into a classroom. I mean, um, is that something that's ever done? Uh, people in your position, do you ever go into um, the classrooms where perhaps there's a child who's on the spectrum, but in a mainstream school? Well, um, with my consulting, I consult right now specifically with families. Um, I, I do have a job in a school district where I work with kids on the spectrum, and I'm able to, in that position, um, help the kids in the mainstream classroom and also work on the skills that, um, that are needed, that right. are required. Okay. So, yeah. It, was there somebody who helped you um, to jumpstart your business? This is a business for you, mm -hmm. what you're doing. And um, a lot of times I, I'm kind of thinking about our listeners who may be people that are contemplating starting their own business. Mm -hmm. And who did you reach out to to help you get started with um, 
the financing, uh, the networking, we're, we're, you know, helping you take that first step. Right. Well, since I am currently in the public school system and work in the area of, of autism, I already had some connections, but I'm really, I love networking, love it. Um, and I, I wanted to get to know different facilities and options in different counties. I wanted to see if one county was more um, developed in a certain area than others. And so I reached out to intermediate units. I reached out to different organizations um, like the Autism Society of America, um, anything that was related to um, a service that a child could benefit from. A speech and language pathologists I reached out to, uh, occupational therapists, physical therapists, and there are many, many people out there. So I basically wrote a list of the contacts, the people who I wanted to uh, meet. Okay. And, and I just sort of branched out from there. So, and if if somebody's listening and they would like to get in touch with you, you have a website. I do helpforaspergers.com. Uh, okay, Randy. In in addition to the work that you do with autism and Asperger's syndrome, um, something happened in your life in two thousand eight, which led to um, a book that you've written. Yes, and I'd love for you to talk about that. Tell the listeners how that came about what what happened on that day back in 2008 well actually two things happened my father passed away in 2008 uh, he uh, was ill for six years and nine weeks later i was diagnosed with breast cancer you, i read in your book about your father i wondered and you had mentioned that you took care of him for quite some time yes yes although he had nurses and caretakers i was the the primary uh, facilitator right. and, and caretaker. Okay, and he lived approximately forty minutes away from me, so I was back and forth almost daily. So right. it was—it's very hard. It's hard when you um, when when you work full time and you're constantly getting phone calls like I need this, I need that, or there are doctor's appointments, and yeah. it's a lot it, to manage. It's very taxing. It's right. very taxing. But I'll tell you, I I'm so happy that I was able to do it. So tell so me, so let's go to that day um, when you, the very, very beginning of your book talks about something that um, you discovered, I guess, and um, yes, talk about that a little bit. April 30th, 2008, and you know, it's funny that I, I'm able to give that date. I think if you speak to any survivor, they will be able to give you the date and possibly time of their diagnosis. I bet. Mine was 3.12 p.m. <laughs> yeah. um, I was driving home from a conference. I actually felt a lump a week prior, um, and I I thought, oh, it's it's a cyst. And I was cleaning out my my father's house because I had sold it, and the executor said you have to get everything out. So I spent seven hours in the attic pushing, pulling, throwing. By yourself? By, by myself. Yes, by myself. And um, it was it was very daunting. And I thought, oh, I, I must have dislocated a rib. I had a shooting pain under my left breast that felt like someone was taking a scalpel and slicing me. Wow. And it kept shooting to the left. And I felt a lump and I thought, eh, it's just a cyst. I'll go to my chiropractor. I have a rib out of alignment. So I made an appointment the following day with my chiropractor. He said, oh, you're so out of alignment. You have two ribs out. And when I laid down on the table, I it really hurt my left breast. And I Which thought, well, I, well, I don't think that's typical. It's what not I know typical. To have a symptom like it's, that. It's not, it not. It's not typical. And after my chiropractor manipulated me, I did feel better, my back did feel better, but I still had the shooting pain, and then I had another pain in the left breast that was shooting up, so I had, it was almost like an L, underneath the breast and um, on the interior shooting shooting up, and I thought, mm, this is not good. Right. I'm going to make an appointment, I'm gonna move my mammogram up. I had an appointment with the radiologist, had my mammogram, nothing showed up, and she said, oh, you're good to go, and I grabbed her hand, and I said, no, I'm not. And I grabbed her hand, I put her hand on my breast, and I said, feel this. 
And I said, I want an ultrasound and I want it now. And I said, you have it in the back room. We've done it before. That's what I want to do. And she said, okay. So I'm on the table and she's giving me the ultrasound and I could tell from the expression on her face that something was a little skewed. Right. And she said, you know, it looks like there's some goo in your breast. Go get it aspirated. I'm thinking, goo, is that a new medical term? No, <laughs> <You is, know? laughs> this is not the radiologist. This is the, the x-ray tech uh, saying this to you? or the This is the radiologist who, who read, okay. the, who, who read the, okay. the mammogram. Right. And uh, she said, go get it aspirated immediately. And I heard the word immediately. And I thought, mm, maybe it's still a cyst. Maybe it's something different. When you, you know? first, I want to just, when you, you talk about that word goo. Yes. Was that the first time you realized there's going to be some comic relief to this journey that I'm going on? Because I, a lot of your book is really funny. And I you. love that. Yeah, I love that too. Because as I was going through my whole journey in the pink bubble, I was looking for, for humor. For levity, yes. And, and um, I think I created that with, with my book. Right. Um, and, you know, daily life as a survivor and daily life as someone, the challenges that you face going through cancer, the day-to-day ch- uh, challenges. Right. So... I had the aspiration the following week, and I had had aspirations in the past. I've had cysts, and I noticed that for some reason this one was a little different. It took longer. He couldn't get the goo out, and I didn't know at the time, but if they can draw fluid out, that's good. If not, and if they can't draw anything out, then that's not such a good sign. Okay. And... The doctor said, you know, I think it's whatever cyst he said. It could be. And he said, if it's not, then we'll just have another conversation. Go home. I'll call you when the results come in. So, P.S., I'm driving uh, in, um, on 23, Route 23. I'm in a woodsy area, and the doctor calls, and he says, Randy, I got your results back. And I said, oh, oh Dr. R, I'm in a woodsy area. I may lose you. And he said, oh, you're on your cell phone. I'm sorry. I thought this was your home phone. And he said, you know, I don't like talking to people when they're on their cell phone. Call me when you get home. And immediately I heard the symbols, you know, clashing, and, and I'm already getting a hot flash, even though I wasn't in menopause. And <laughs> because he didn't say everything's he, fine. He wanted to talk. Right. He just yes. said, I don't like talking to people when they're on their cell phone. And I said, no, 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 I'm fine. And he said, no, call me when you get home. And I said, no, no, as I'm pulling over. And he says, do you want to pull over? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm fine. Okay. So he said, well, I, I got your pathology report back. And um, the, the report states that you have breast cancer, but you'll be fine. And there was silence on the other end. And, and he said, Randy. Most women say or think, why me? He said, that's the first thing that they think of. It's the first thing that comes to their mind. And I said, well, not me. And he said, well, what's the first thing you thought of? And I said, honestly, this really ruins my summer vacation. (laughs) (laughs) So I think, and we both chuckled, and and I think that's where the the humor started. so yeah, that was the start of that was of the beginning the, of that was the of beginning all of it. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to uh, we're going to take a break actually right now for our sponsors, and when we come back, we're going to talk all about the book and all about your journey because I think it's incredibly inspiring, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm looking forward to it. From Willow Grove to Westchester, Pottstown to Philadelphia. It's News Talk 1180 WFYL. Wagmore Next Door is Skipback Animal Hospital's latest addition to help meet the needs of your pet. We're the only animal hospital in the Skipback and surrounding area now providing a doggy day camp and one-stop shopping for your pet's exercise and fun. Have you ever come home after a long day at work to find that your dog has eaten your favorite pair of underwear or socks, destroyed parts of your home, or shoplifted an entire chicken from the kitchen countertop? Leaving your dog home alone can be dangerous and life-threatening. Wagmore Next Door is fully supervised and operated by trained animal professionals. Here your dog will run and play with other dogs. Obedience training is also available and very popular. Your dog will go home tired, content, and happy. 
We have many packages to choose from to accommodate your work schedule, vacation schedule, and out-of-town schedule. For information, please call us at 610-584-6300, or you can visit our website, skipbackanimalhospital.com. You can also check out our Facebook page. We can't wait to see you. Want your home to look great for company from out of town, moving to a new place, or just want the satisfaction of a clean, healthy home? Whatever your reason, everybody needs to clean. So why not choose the line of cleaning tools that makes your task easier? Quickie is your one-stop cleaning solution with everything you need to get the job done right. Whether you're cleaning one room or the whole house, Quickie has the right tool for you. It doesn't matter if you prefer a more traditional mop and bucket or if you'd like to save time with a new Quickie spray mop. Quickie has everything you need to get the job done. Founded in Philadelphia 60 years ago, Quickie's commitment to quality and value have helped it grow into the number one cleaning tool company in America. It's Quickie and it's clean. Look for Quickie products at Home Depot, Lowe's, Walmart, ShopRite, and other fine retailers near you. Get your skinny water today at Acme. Great taste, zero guilt. And see how delicious a zero-calorie enhanced with vitamins and electrolytes can be. Because taste matters, doesn't it? Try skinny water today at Acme. Is your online store cluttering your house and garage with your product? Does it require you to spend all your free time shipping packages, leaving you no time to work with new customers or develop new marketing initiatives? Now is the time to free up your space and time and let ABC Fulfillment provide you with cost-effective warehousing, order processing, and shipping for your products. Our 20,000-square-foot warehouse is conveniently located in Ambler, PA. ABC Fulfillment is a 100% woman-owned and operated business and has helped many small and mid-sized businesses solve their warehousing and order processing problems. We pride ourselves on our attention to detail, as well as our excellent customer service. When you call us, you will always speak with someone who can help you solve your problem and not be asked to leave a message. Our personal touch and expertise separates us from the rest. Last year, we shipped over 150,000 packages for our customers, including order processing and shipping for the Jill Steals and Deals segment of the Today Show saving our customers both time and money. If you would like to spend more time finding new products to sell, reaching new customers, and marketing your products, now is the time to call ABC Fulfillment. Please call 215-628-3154 and ask for Eileen or Lisa to help you get started. News Talk 1180-WFYL, streaming live at 1180-WFYL.com. Hello, everybody. We are back again with Randy Rents, who is president of Rents Consulting, as well as author of a soon-to-be-released book entitled, Why Buy a Wig When You Can Buy Diamonds? I love the name of that book. Thank you. <laughs> and we're talking with Randy um, right now about how the book came to be and uh, initially uh, her diagnosis with breast cancer and the journey that she's taken um, battling that. And, and I'm happy to say has beaten that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, Randy was talking about the day that she actually got the call from the doctor. And um, let's talk about what happened after that phone call. After that phone call, after the doctor said, you have breast cancer, but you'll be fine, there was silence. And I did say to him, uh, you know, this ruins my summer vacation. But after that, I said, that's the biggest oxymoron I've ever heard in my entire life. You have breast cancer, but you'll be fine, all in one sentence. Right, right. And he said, oh, make an appointment, come see me tomorrow, and we'll talk about different options. You will be fine. And I'm in just disbelief. Was that in, were, did you believe that? When he said that, did you feel that he was saying that just to kind of ease the phone call, or did you believe him? Uh, 
I honestly, I didn't know what to believe. I was in disbelief. I thought, geez, I just lost my father. I'm selling his house. I'm, I'm, I am I have so much on my plate. And now this, I don't, I don't have time for breast cancer. I just, I, I don't have time. Oh, that's, a good, that's a good way to think about it. I don't have time. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm trying to consult. I'm working full time. I'm try, trying to deal with my father's estate. And, and now this, I, I don't think so. Right. So no, thank you. Yeah. I'm so not doing that. I, I was, you know, in denial, but you know, immediately I I called my best friend who was my rock when when my mother died when I was young, when my father passed, and now I'm thinking, "Oh, no, I have to bombard her with with cancer." And it was um very hard for me to make that phone call. And that to that's her. interesting to me, and I think it says a lot about you because a lot of what I read about you, you're always thinking of other people. So here you just get this mm-hmm. phone call and this diagnosis, and you're upset because you have to tell your best friend, mm-hmm. and you don't want to upset her. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to upset her, and her brother uh, was also dealing with a, a form of cancer. And I thought, oh, gosh, you oh know, here we go. Right. And I called her, and, and I told her, and we stayed on the phone for, I don't know, maybe 40 minutes, and we were laughing by the end of it, and, you know, she was there for me. She, she I couldn't have gotten through cancer without her. Yeah, girlfriends are the yeah. best. girlfriends are amazing. They are, they are. Yeah, sometimes they're even better than chocolate. I mean, they, <laughs> they're amazing, you know? <laughs> and wine. Yes. But if you have all three. Oh, perfect. perfect. Girlfriends, wine, and chocolate. Yes. That's the best night. Yes. Okay, so um, what do you do the very next day? You wake up the next morning, and, and the day before, you've gotten this diagnosis. And I, I, I from what I've read, you're obviously a very, um, the glass is half full mm-hmm. type of person. Mm-hmm. So what what are you saying to yourself that next morning? You know, the the glass is half full, but I think it's okay to to be in disbelief. It's okay to go through the series of emotions that you're really going to go through when you're diagnosed with with any kind of illness, um, especially cancer. And my mother died of pancreatic cancer when I was 16, and I just had these visions of my mother in my head when she was very, very ill prior to her death. And I was thinking of my father when he was on his deathbed. And I thought, this can't be happening. And honestly, that's what I was thinking because it was so close to me because I just lost my father. Right. That is a I, lot to take in. Right. I didn't time. have my mother. I, I, you know, breast cancer, you, you, you want to bond with women. Yes. And you want your mother. Do you have sisters or brothers? I, I have a, a sister, my my friends and, you know, my family members who are in the area were, were wonderful. Okay. They were wonderful. Um, but it, it still goes back to my best friend. I mean, yeah, my best friend, Sharon. So, um, but that's the next day. That's what I was thinking of. And when I spoke to Sharon the night before, um, she suggested that I write down questions to ask the surgeon and she will come up with her own list and we weren't going to compare questions we would just absolutely and we were just going to cross them off when uh we were seated in front of the doctor as we were um um listening to him and i strongly suggest that when you go in to that doctor to bring someone with you not just to advocate for you but you may not even hear what that doctor is saying because Absolutely. you're in shock, you're in denial, you're angry, you're you're thinking, okay, yes, I can get through this. You have just, you're overwhelmed with so many emotions and you want another set of ears. That is so true. I think anytime you walk into a doctor's office, even if it's not something dealing with something that right. serious, right. you need another set of ears. Right, Absolutely. You always walk out and say, I, I forgot to ask this, this, and this. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And... Um, you know, I remember it was a very dismal day. It was dark. It was rainy. And I kept looking out the window as my surgeon and my best friend were talking about Little League. <laughs> and I'm looking <laughs> out the window thinking, I'd rather be outside getting wet right now. <laughs> and they're talking about Little little League. And I, I turned around and I thought, I can't contribute to their conversation because I have cancer. Oh, and I thought, yeah. how did this conversation change from 
from breast cancer to, to Little League. And all I want to talk about is the brand new purse that I bought. But I can't because I have cancer, you know. <laughs> so, um, you know, in a way I was feeling sorry for myself. And the, the, my doctor was just so wonderful. And I have to tell you that when he was going over different options, I just heard static. And yes, I was writing some things down, but my doctor finally um, took out a piece of paper and a pen and he started drawing for me. I'm like, oh, there we go. I'm visual. visual. Yes, this is great. This is great. great. And I, you know, scooched up to the front of my chair and I'm like, oh, now I get it. And we were going over different options, lumpectomy versus mastectomy and chemo, radiation. And um, one thing that I think people should be aware of is that your surgeon, your, your breast surgeon, he is the case manager for that surgery. Once you move on to possible chemo or radiation, that case manager is going to change. So if you have questions about chemo, you really want to direct them to the correct person. Okay. Um, and I know that it can be very overwhelming, and you know all these questions come to the and you don't know who do I who do Absolutely. I call? Absolutely, you don't do know who to call. To call. Right. So right. I just I loved my doctor. I thought he was wonderful. What hospital? I well, I ended up at Brimar. Okay. And I did um, go doctor shopping. I felt that it was in my best interest, and when I was meeting with the surgeon who did the aspiration the the next day he ended up being my surgeon I said to him I said you know I think you're terrific and he finished my sentence and he said you don't have to use me he said do you have other people who you're considering and I said yes I do and he said who are they and I you know just started rattling off names and for every person I mentioned he said oh that's a wonderful person and great bedside manner and oh you'll love this doctor and I thought wow he just won the golden breast award you know he's <laughs> he's not saying you have to use me you right no, there's it. no ego there there's no ego that's and, great and he also said to me he said you know Ram I know your background and he said you just lost your father and he said if you go with the lumpectomy route it's usually an in and out procedure he said I want to keep you overnight I want to make sure that you're okay that's great and I thought oh wow you know and and I said to him but I still feel and he finished my sentence again go out there and get your other opinions well I, I got five so I was at almost you know every major hospital in the area and when people call me who are newly diagnosed and they say, well, you already did the research and you already, you know, found the doctors. And I said, no, no, no. You need to make sure that you have a certain comfort level with your doctor. Right. There are so many good doctors out there. And, you know, whether you go downtown or you're in a suburb, you just have to find that connection. That's so great that you were able, I mean, you're, it's a very emotional time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you're feeling emotional, but you were smart enough to say, I need to go yes. and make sure that I'm getting the right doctor yes. and not just kind of listen and, and do what someone tells you that you should do. Right. That's right. very key. Right. Be, and, you know, you want to check out different procedures and how they're done and w- what the recuperation time is and, and what's their philosophy. And, you know, and I was hearing a lot of different things and there were some doctors who agreed on certain procedures and there were other doctors who gave me different information and and I went with my number one person yeah and the first person I went to yeah fortunately or unfortunately you know we all know so many women Mm -hmm. going through this Mm -hmm. so there is endless information out there yes and certainly what's right for one woman is not going to be right for someone else. Absolutely. That's very true. Absolutely. Yep. That's the first thing I tell people. That's great. So um, and we should probably give a quick little shout out to Claudia, who will be Hi, listening. Claudia. Hi, Claudia. <laughs> Claudia is um, the reason Randy and I were connected. Um, she is battling uh, breast cancer herself right now. And and doing an unbelievable job at that, which does not surprise me. Um, but she did introduce me to Randy, and and I would just want to say thank you, dear, for doing that because yes. I think this is going to be a really valuable show. Um, 
So, all right, let's talk about now when, tell me the circumstance around the day you decided, you know what, I think I'm going to write a book about this. I think this journey is worthy of mm, being written down. And yes. You know, it's interesting. My My intention was not to write a book in the beginning. And I started scrolling down my cell phone, looking at different names and do I want to tell everybody? Do I want to keep repeating on the phone the same story over and over again? And I sort of found myself consoling everyone. You know, here I'm the one who who has the cancer, but I'm helping them because people are crying on the phone. Right. And, and I right. thought, oh, I can't keep doing this. And I think I made three phone calls and I thought, you know, the internet is my friend, email. So I composed an email and I sent it out to people and I, I told people that this is how I would like to communicate. If you want to call me just to talk about your dog or your kids or your job, let's just continue our normal conversation. Um, but I, I can't keep repeating this yeah. information over and That's over and over again. That's too taxing for you, right. going through that, right. repeating that. Right. So I, I would send out emails and apparently they were very funny emails <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know you were funny. <laughs> i didn't know i was funny and um you know people got a kick out of it they would email me back well, when's your next email coming out you know and i would make people smile so i uh would did set... you consider a blog at that point at that point no okay. at that point i did not um even though i have a blog now okay um and I, I just wanted to make, I just wanted to get through my, my journey in the pink bubble and continue sending out emails. That, that's what I wanted to do. And one of my doctors, my, my radiologist said, you know, you're so funny. And she's like, you should write a book about this. You know, you're, you, you have so many chapters with these emails. I'm like, oh, yeah, right. I'm going to write a book. <laughs> <laughs> and I really thought about it. And I'll tell you, when, when you're going through chemo, which I, for me, was the most difficult part, um, you're on so many drugs. You're, you're up 2 o'clock two in the morning, 3 o'clock, you're wired, you can't sleep, you can't eat, you know, there are bathroom issues, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, your, your body just is not the body that you are used to. So I did a lot of my writing at 2 o'clock in the morning as I'm watching Celebrity Poker. For some reason, I had this fascination <laughs> celebrity with poker. Celebrity Poker at 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I look back on the emails now and some of the writing, and I'm thinking, I can't believe I wrote that, you know. But it was very cathartic for me. And eventually, I, you know, I, I really listened to the one doctor who said, you know, you should write a book. And I thought... Maybe I will put these chapters why or not? these emails together yeah, and 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 make chapters out of them, and I'll, I'll see what happens. And um, it was extremely cathartic for me. It's it's a labor of love for me. Um, I have been published in my field. You know, I, I've written journal articles, but writing a book, mm, I've. I've never done that, you right. know, and it's 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 really tough. It yeah. really is well, tough. And I think it's great that it's a book about um, it, its stories. It's not necessarily facts and figures about breast cancer. It's more your personal story. And with so many women battling right. it, right. it's great for them to kind of relate to you right. it's by my, reading that book. You're right. It's my journey through, I, I refer to it as being in Cancerville, um, my journey through the pink bubble, and it's it's informational it's poignant it's humorous and when i was going through my breast cancer experience i was looking for humor in the bookstores and i found a lot of great information out there but i could not find a lot of humor and when i did pick up things that you know stated that it was humorous i'm like this is not funny i'm like i'm funnier than this <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're trying and, to be funny yeah, but I'm that's like, not so funny they're trying to be funny but i think i'm funnier you know <laughs> <laughs> let's share some of the stories when i i was reading a couple ex excerpts from mm -hmm. the book mm -hmm. and um uh, you talked about when you go into the office and into the to the room where you actually have to get your chemotherapy and all the different types of women are in there 
Yes. Um, well, I had a tour of the chemo suite. They, they called it the chemo suite um, at, at Bryn Mawr, and it was actually in a doctor's office. And um, it was a, a big room with people sitting in reclining chairs. It was very quiet. And I was by far the youngest person. And I just stood there and I had all these thoughts going through my mind and I'm thinking, this is not for me. Number one, it, it's too quiet. <laughs> it's too it's, serious. It's too serious. And I am so not into that mode right now. So when it came time for me to have my first chemo, I brought with me my 29-inch suitcase packed, filled with stuff, <laughs> and um, I was draped in my mother's jewelry. Um, my mother died when I was 16, and I wanted to sort of have her there with me. Right. I was um, draped in, um, well, actually, I had a sweatsuit and flip-flops on. Um, with all and these diamonds. With, I hope yes, someone photographed with di- this. No. With, no. <laughs> oh, no. with diamonds, dragging a 29-inch suitcase with me. And I had asked my doctor if I could have my own room because I just didn't feel comfortable in the communal room. And he said, sure, because they had their own rooms on the side. But you had to cross through the communal room. So here I am. There are huh. women sitting in chairs. Some of them have wigs on. Some of them had bandanas. Some were bald complete silence and here I am with all this jewelry dragging a 29 inch suitcase that falls over and I'm like oh my gosh I'm so sorry I'm so sorry you know (laughs) the whole time I'm apologizing and everyone is just looking at me and there was this one woman who had her red reading glasses on she's she's typing on her laptop and she looks up at me and she's shaking her head like you know what is this you know coming through and (laughs) And I made it to to my room, and my oncologist, you know, appears, and he says, you know, I've been doing this for 25 years, and not once has anyone brought a suitcase. He's like, you're not staying overnight. What's in the suitcase? And I said, well, you told me to bring the essentials, but you never told me what the essentials were. He's right. like, so, so what's in the suitcase? And I said, well, I have a six-pack of water. He's like, well, we have water. And I said, well, I have a couple boxes of crackers because you get nauseous. And he said, well, we have crackers too. And I said, well, I have magazines. He said, well, we have that too. <laughs> and I said, okay, well, I have three books, and I couldn't decide on the genre. I have a mystery. I have historical fiction. And... And he said, well, I don't know how much reading you'll be doing, but I'm glad that you brought, you know, some You're books. prepared. I brought games. I, I mean, I had everything in that suitcase. And I also assembled a chemo team. And I had um, girlfriends come with me during each chemo treatment. Oh, that's um, great. Three girls at a time. And for me, it was almost like going to camp. It was, it was fun. I mean, I made it fun. And... You know, we just talked about we just talked about boys and men and dating and kids and jobs and we were laughing and I also in my suitcase had bags and bags of candy. And I became known as the candy girl with all the patients. And I would candy's get Candy's allowed. Is candy allowed in Yes, you, good. you you get a metallic taste in your mouth and you just you really want to try to get rid of that right. taste. I mean right. I um, would come to my chemo sessions with margarita glasses, and I would pour juice smoothies in the margarita glasses, and I would hand them out to the nurses and to my oncologist who said, I can't walk around with a margarita glass. What will my patients think? I'm like, they'll think you're cool, Steve. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Where's the rule that says you can't walk around with a margarita glass? So um, I would get up with my IV pole, and I would hand out candy to some of the patients. I would start talking to the patients and before you, you before I knew it like it, th- there was talking yeah you know and it just made me feel really good and then there was a woman who was just dressed to the nines in gold tons of gold she reminded me of a golden globe and she was uh, with her husband who was uh, receiving chemo and she wanted to hang out with us 
So she hung out with us while her husband was sleeping, <laughs> and I was. You stopped going to your private room at this point. I'm assuming I was in, I was in and out. Of, in and of out. The room. Okay. Yeah. And then um, there was a couple next to me, and they would yell, "Candy girl, candy girl, you know, can I have some candy?" And I would say, "Bring your IV pole over here, and let's go." Mm-hmm. And you know, I would have races to the bathroom with our IV poles. You know, come on, I bet you I can beat you. you right, know? And right. I just, I needed levity. So, right. So here, and they did too, but they probably didn't know how to yes, go about it. Yes, and, you know, it's funny. I would walk in for my chemo treatments, and the patients would say, oh, Randy's here. Or, you know, what do you have for us today? Right, so right. So it was, it was sort of nice. It yeah. was sort of nice. And um, every once in the blue moon, I will go back to the chemo suite and I'll talk to a couple of patients. That's great. So, yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. We have we have just a few minutes left. Okay. So, I would love for you to talk about the book when and where people can get it if you know that information right now who's who's publishing it. Okay. Um th- the book is called Why Buy a Wig When You Can Buy Diamonds and um we are hoping for a early 2014 2014 okay. publishing. Um, date. So you can access certain chapters online through my blog at randyrents.com. Great. Uh, my blog consists of motivational sayings. I have Motivational Monday. I have Medical on Tuesday, Retail on Wednesday. Thursday is about me. Friday, I have recipes, and most of it is cancer-related. Okay. And um, it is not just about a breast cancer site. Um, It's for anyone. And you can read chapter excerpts from my book on that site. Sign up. You will um, receive a message from me every day. So it's, it's a great thing. It's that's, a great thing. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for coming in today. I well, really appreciate thank it. Thank you for having me. I loved it. So much fun. I think uh, so the fun. listeners are going to be really happy when they get their hands on the, the real book. Oh, I hope so. So hope that's so. it for today, gang. Um, Women to Watch weekly on Thursdays at 11 a.m. And I, I thank you for tuning in. And again, if you'd like to contact me, you can do so at srocco. 233 at gmail or feel free to call me at 215-313-5561 thanks and have a great day